0: Playing basketball for a college program is a unique experience. Coaching basketball for a college program is a unique experience, too. And even more unique is playing and coaching basketball for the same college program, which is something that Elena Wu, my guest on today's show, has had the unique experience of doing. Elena starred for the women's basketball team at Pomona Pitzer, where she was a four year starter and two year team captain. And after a brief stint away, She returned as an assistant coach for the team, and then eventually became the team's head coach. In today's episode, Elena joins me to talk about her basketball journey as a player, her coaching career, her experiences as an Asian American basketball player and coach, and much more. My interview with Elena Wu, coming up next. Welcome to the Asian American Athlete, the podcast that celebrates Asian American athletes and Asian Americans in the sports world. I'm your host, Justin Hong, and on today's show, my guest is coach Elena Wu. Elena's entering her fifth season as the head coach for the Pomona Pitzer Women's Basketball Program, a program that she's been a part of as a player, assistant coach, and now head coach. During her tenure as head coach, Elena has led the Sage Hens to the SCIAC Championship Game and also guided the team to multiple consecutive winning seasons. She began her coaching career at Tufts University as an assistant before returning to Pomona Pitzer as an assistant. As a player, Elena was a four-year starter and two-year captain for the Sagehens. She ranks among the top 10 players in career scoring with over 1,000 career points, and she still holds the school record for career three-pointers. A native of San Carlos, California in the Bay Area, Elena attended Sequoia High School in Redwood City, where she played basketball and softball. She served as the captain of the basketball team and was three-time team MVP, earned league MVP honors, and was a two-time all-county selection. Welcome to the show, Elena.
1: Thanks for having me, Justin.
0: Yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, summertime can be a really busy time of year for, for basketball coaches, but how's, how's your summer been going?
1: Summer's been great. Um, before I talk about my summer, exciting update to the bio you just read is that my former player who's going to be on staff as an assistant this year actually broke my three-point record this year. Oh, wow. Okay. So now I'm number two to Madison Kwan, who will be an assistant coach on staff next year. Uh, Got to get the, the SIDs to update that on, on the website. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Um,
1: yeah, but um, summer's been good. It's it's as you yeah as you seem to know with basketball coaches, it is pretty busy. The month of July is a big recruiting month. Um, Claremont, where Pomona Pitzer is, is a really beautiful place to be in the summer. And in August, August is one of my favorite times with all the students moving back. So it's been really good.
0: Amazing, amazing. Well, we definitely want to talk um, all about your career at, at Pomona Pitzer as a, as a player and a coach. But wanted to start back. Yeah, you know, from the beginning, from your childhood, could you share a little bit about your family's background, where you grew up and, and how you got into basketball?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. I grew up on the peninsula. Um, most people are vaguely familiar with uh, Redwood City, Palo Alto area. It's about 30 to 40 minutes south of San Francisco. Um, so as you read, I went to Sequoia High School, which is A big public school right in the middle of Redwood City and grew up in a town just north of there called San Carlos. Um, I have a a twin brother, which I think will probably come up a lot during this chat. Uh, That was pretty formative for getting into sports, having someone to always play one on one with in the driveway. Um, And uh, yeah, I I attended public school for my whole life, ended up um, at Pomona, took kind of a circuitous path to get there. Uh, surprising to, uh, nobody, but myself that I've ended up coaching basketball, uh, having been just really involved in sports for my whole life. Um, but love being from California, love coaching in Southern California, um, recruiting West coast basketball players, um, and, and program building here.
0: Awesome. Awesome. How did you first get interested in playing basketball?
1: Yeah, I loved sports growing up, like every single sport. Um, I played soccer and softball and basketball growing up, literally everything from like touch football in the street outside my house um, to, like I said, playing one-on-one with my brother in the driveway. I think I just mostly was really interested in sports. Um, My parents will tell you that I was a a stubborn child and I think because I was small and short and basketball felt really challenging to me that I was drawn to it. Um, and then by the time I, I got to high school, I I was playing basketball and softball as my two primary sports and really just just fell in love with basketball. I My parents both really love basketball. My dad's from Pullman, Washington, uh, which is where Wazoo is. And so big Pac-12 basketball school, or I guess maybe not anymore. <laughs> um, and then my mom's from Rock Island, Illinois, which is also a big um, like Quad Cities, Illinois, they have really good high school basketball there too. so I think they both really grew up around sports and basketball. and then having people to play against and just being really involved in sports growing up, uh, it's like I don't know you it's hard to explain, but when you're around yeah. it and you, uh, it was really formative for me in terms of getting to know teammates and making friends and um, just could never let it go even as I graduated college <laughs> and, and chose a career.
0: So it sounds like the love of the game and, and just sports in general developed that at a really young age for you. And you just kind of continue to cultivate that um, into high school, into college as well. Uh, I'm curious, at what point did you think about, did you think that playing in college was was a possibility?
1: Yeah, for me, I think it was always just about what was next like being great in the moment and then figuring out the next thing so i remember making like a little goals list in middle school like that i wanted to make the high school basketball team Mm. and then being in high school and then feeling strongly that i wanted to play varsity basketball my first year of high school and so it was always those kind of little goals and then ultimately arriving to my junior senior year of high school and feeling like, wow, I really want to play college basketball. Right. And again, it, I think it'll be a theme of just not really ever being able to let it go at any point of my life. Um, but for me, it was always just about like being great where I was in the moment um, and doing the next thing. And so it really didn't come until my junior or senior year of high school when it came time to look at colleges that I just found myself thinking and visualizing and imagining whether or not it would be a place where I could continue to be have basketball be a big part of my life.
0: Right, right. Well, you had an amazing career at Sequoia High School in Redwood City, serving as the team captain. You were a three-time team MVP, earning league MVP honors. Do you have a favorite memory or like a defining moment from your high school career that jumps out at you?
1: Yeah, one theme I think throughout my whole career is I've always been a part of programs that were kind of transitioning or rebuilding. I think what was really exciting Being at Sequoia was it was a big public school. I think it it wasn't wasn't a place where um, sports were, you know, people were dumping money into sports, and high school sports were a big thing. So I I really came into this program, had a really excellent coach, got super lucky that I had a really knowledgeable, excellent coach, Steve Peakey. He's kind of a a Bay Area legend um, in girls' basketball. And he was really passionate. I came in with a couple classmates, uh, my year and a year below me um, that were pretty talented. And so we ended up competing for, for league championships, um, sharing a a league title my junior year. Um, and so I think for me, it was just like, Being part of that building process with my teammates to ultimately put Sequoia High School back on the map for PAL girls basketball at the time uh, felt like, you know, the biggest deal in the world. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, we, I think we were just a a big fish in a small pond. Um, And so I think that building process, both with my head coach and with my teammates was really special.
0: Amazing. Amazing. How did you continue to cultivate your game during the high school years from like a training regimen standpoint, a skill work development standpoint? What did that – did you work with – did you attend camps, work with private trainers?
1: Yeah, I think it really just comes down to, like, loving basketball. Like, I was – I would literally do everything. Like, I would go play – I remember playing a high school summer league where I played for, like, my high school and then also another high school. So I could play, like, two different times during the summer league. Um, I I just loved playing. And so Mm -hmm. literally every opportunity I had to play – whether it was with our high school boys team um, or with like other high schools in the area or multiple AAU teams, like literally everything I could be a part of. I did it. Um, and so for me, it, there wasn't one particular training regimen or program or something that I felt like was the secret. It really just came down to loving basketball and then being around coaches and people literally everywhere I went, who encouraged and facilitated that. Um, right. Like, obviously, I had a great high school coach, but also our high school boys coach is someone who I still talked to, who let me into the gym at 6am so I could get shots up before school. Um, and so I think it just came down to playing as much basketball as I possibly could.
0: Right, right. Awesome. Well, from high school, then you moved on to playing at Pomona Pitzer, where you were a four-year starter and two-year team captain there. As a senior for the hands you led the conference in scoring with uh, 17 points per game when we're first team all conference selection, which is incredible. How did you end up landing at Pomona Pitzer?
1: Yeah, that's a good question that recruits ask me a lot, and I don't always know if I have the best <laughs> answer. Um, I so I knew I wanted to play basketball. I knew I wanted to go to a school that really valued academics. I really loved Division three and the Division three student athlete experience. I toured a bunch of different colleges my junior year of high school. I went to the East Coast. Division three is heavily concentrated in the Midwest and the East Coast. And I had my heart set on leaving California and doing going that route. Um, And Pomona was actually one of the last schools I visited. um, And I got here and it. It sounds cliche, but it really had everything I wanted. It offered everything. It was the division three student athlete experience. But at the same time, with the consortium of schools, I felt like I was a little bit in a little bit bigger of an academic and social environment. Um, so it wasn't necessarily, you know, the dream school or the school I had on my list first. Um, but I, I always encourage players who are recruiting to go see as many places as possible because Mm -hmm. you don't, you're not really going to know what you want until sometimes you're there. Um, and no, obviously no regrets loved, loved my time and, um, found, found my way back here.
0: <laughs> yeah. forever. Right, right. All right. There's something, you said something interesting that you were, you're really interested in playing at a D3 school. Mm-hmm. Did you, so did you strategically think about that? Like, Hey, D3 is a better fit. How did you land on like, Hey, I want to play for D3. Cause I, I think that a lot of the younger athletes in high school were looking, you know, Oh, I want to play D1 all that. But like, why did specifically, did you think about that D3 was a good fit for you?
1: D3 was a good fit for me because I felt strongly about not wanting to give anything up in my college experience. I didn't want to give anything I up see. academically. I had worked hard in the classroom to get good grades and I, I felt like you know limited that limited my options. If I didn't want to give up the academics to play basketball, I didn't want to give up the basketball to do something academic. Um, so D3 just felt like kind of the right Pocket for me, and I think it's different for everyone, uh, depending on the sport that you want to play, depending on what you want to study or do academically. I really liked the idea of a liberal arts college. I was pretty indecisive when I was seventeen, <laughs> um, and still, still am. Um, but uh, you know, I didn't know what I want when I grow up. Still don't. Um, but uh, so the liberal arts college too was is, is really conducive to just offering you a little bit of everything, uh, which fit again really well with the division three model of sports that I was looking at also.
0: Okay. Okay. Awesome. So, so you land at Pomona Pitzer, you were starting as a true freshman. What was that experience like? And and what was the biggest transition from going from playing high school ball to playing college basketball?
1: Biggest transition. Absolutely. The speed of the game. Um, I think that, and that's a transition I see your players go through now is it's not that, um, You know, the basketball is that different or the players are that much better. You know, they're maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit more talented, but it's just the pace of play Mm. and the pace at which you have to pick things up in practice leading into games. That was a real challenge for me and I think is a real challenge probably for most high school athletes transitioning. Um, Remind me of the first part of the question.
0: You were starting as a true freshman. I was just curious, like, you know, what what did that look like? I mean, you're you're just coming out of high school now. First year in college, you're starting already. What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, so pace of play popped into my head. And I think that that affected things as well. I also always say just about the student athlete experience at uh, Pomona Pitzer. The thing that is true in my mind about high school is that it gets a little bit harder as you go through it. Uh, In my mind, college gets easier once you kind of figure out how to do college as a student athlete. Mm. And so that first semester transition both on the court in terms of picking up how fast the game is and learning plays and learning defenses and uh, learning basketball concepts that maybe you haven't learned up to that point. That's obviously a a transition, but also just figuring out how to manage nutrition and sleep and strength training and the volume of games and basketball and weightlifting that you have to do in college, I think that ends up being just figuring out that balance ends up being a transition that in my mind gets much easier throughout your right. four years, which is kind of the opposite of a lot of challenges that I think our students have faced up to this point.
0: Right, right. What, what would you say was your favorite part of being a student athlete in college?
1: Um, besides like, being on the basketball court <laughs> because I love <laughs> long winning yeah. basketball games. Um, I I think that for me, I had always kind of pocketed a lot of different pieces of my life um, in terms of like you know doing this academic thing and this athletic thing and having this friend over here and and this mentor over here. And it was the first time in my life, especially being at Pomona Pitzer, where I felt like all of those things started to merge all at once. Um, I had teammates who were so deeply driven by academic passions or creative passions. Um, and I had, I always joked that, uh my senior year when I wrote my thesis, I, all I talked about with my thesis, thesis advisor was basketball. And all I talked about with my basketball coach was my thesis. (laughs) Um, and so it felt like I was just in this really special community, uh, which I think in some ways is unique to Pomona Pitzer. Um, where I was just able to kind of be my full self all at once in all spaces that I was in.
0: Right. What about a a career highlight while you were playing for Pavona Pitzer?
1: Ooh, career highlight. Um, I, there's like so many fun moments. I remember being in basketball games. Um, my senior year, we had a really fun home win. I remember it was our, our new head coach's first win, Um, it was our first one of the year during kind of a rebuilding phase of our program and also coincidentally landed on the same game as I scored, uh, my thousandth point. So it was just like all these things kind of culminating. And, um, it was one of those seasons where you really, we really, with a new coach, we were, we were rebuilding. It felt like, um, I will say to our team, like, um, work without guarantees, like just work for the moment. And then eventually you hope it pays off, but you don't always know whether or not it's going to. And we had been working really hard as a team, um, throughout the year, um, to just, you know, build pro, uh, build a culture, build a program in ways that you're never really quite sure whether or not, especially for me as a senior, I was going to be able to see those things pay off. So to have the win, have, a, you know, really awesome first year head coach, get her win score my thousandth point that really kind of felt like, okay, finally, all this work we've been putting in for the last month or two, uh, really is paying off.
0: Right. Right. Did you consider pursuing like a professional career?
1: Not really. Um, okay. It's That's not really a typical path. Even coaching isn't necessarily a typical path. Uh, I think for the the Division three student athlete or although some of our players and our men's basketball players and baseball players we've had go on and, and have professional careers, um, even coaching was kind of a... A radical move really threw a wrench in things for uh, my parents and <laughs> my peers in terms of what they expected me to do. Um, but it wasn't really something I ever seriously considered. Though I knew I wanted to be around
0: basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and on that point, how did you transition from being a player into coaching?
1: I graduated and I started applying for jobs and I had had a very brief conversation about coaching with my college coach. Um, and then I was applying to jobs in my academic field of study, which was public policy. And I found myself researching every city I applied to a job at, whether like how I could be involved in basketball, like, Oh, is there a a place I could be an assistant coach or is there a high school that needs a coach? And then I kind of paused and thought, well, if I'm building my whole non-basketball career around basketball, then maybe I should consider having basketball.
0: career. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So your first uh, coaching stop was at Tufts. Yes. How did you land that opportunity at Tufts as an assistant coach?
1: So my head coach who, like I said, was new my senior year, who is an awesome friend and mentor, Jill Pace. She's actually the current head coach at Tufts, kind of a funny coaching musical chairs thing that happened, but we had actually hired her at Pomona Pitzer from Tufts. She was an assistant at Tufts before we hired her and She helped me get a job with her former boss, Carla Bruby, who's now the head coach at Princeton. Um, And that's how I ended up there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And what was that first experience with coaching like?
1: It was awesome. It was like so fun. It was in many ways so different than what I expected. I like have to imagine that Coach Bruby has funny stories about me because I was kind of like wide eyed, like what is going on all the time. Um, and I was pretty quiet, but I'd like to think that by the end of the year, I got out of my shell a little bit more. Um, I loved it. I mean, I fell in love with it. It's just, it's hard to have had basketball be such a formative part of my life and then be able to walk into a gym every day for work and not just like, wow. be like, this is the coolest thing ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Did you find it difficult to shift over to the coaching side of things from, from your playing days or like up here, did you also get in there and practice as well and, and join in with some of the playing?
1: I jumped in like briefly um, during times as an assistant at Tufts and Pomona Pitzer. I don't jump in quite as much now. Um, my I have now I have assistants who will do that um, for me. But um, it, it was a real transition. I think that um, in addition, transitioning to being a head coach mm, uh, from yeah. assistant coach to uh, very different, very different from playing. And, um, there are, are quite a, there's a laundry list of (laughs) ways I could talk about how it was different. But I think the biggest thing for me is like learning how to control your controllables and figuring out what those controllables are, um, wildly different than what your controllables are as a player. So even though playing deeply informed, how I coach, Um, and you know, what I think my players will be responsive to it, it was very different and was a real adjustment, but luckily surrounded by like amazing women and mentors who kind of taught me how to make that transition.
0: Right. Right. How did you make your way back to Pomona Pitzer?
1: Yeah, I, so I was at Tufts, um, just kind of coaching's funny. Like you, you plan and then, you know jobs open and life happens. (laughs) Um, so I really loved my, my time at Tufts and it just kind of made sense. A position opened at Pomona Pitzer. Um, and I was excited to be back in California. I was excited to work with my former coach, um, see out a vision that started when I was a player in terms of that rebuild that, that she was, uh working on and I, I felt excited about the idea of being a part of seeing that through and finishing it. Um so the the fun stat that we all share is um my senior year, which was year one for for Coach Pace, was a one win year. Um and then two years later when I was on staff as an assistant was our first 20 year or 20 win season in, in, uh, since like 2002 in program history. So to go from one, one wow. to 20 wins in three years and be a part of that as a player. And then eventually as an assistant coach, and then eventually as a head coach yeah.
0: was really small Yeah. And how did the the, um, how did you end up becoming the head coach?
1: Then the Princeton job opened and coach Berube who coach Pace and I had both worked for took the Princeton job, um, after having been at, she was at Tufts for, I think 17 or 18 years and had built you know, division three dynasty, uh, at Tufts. And so she took the Princeton job. And then, um, ultimately after, uh, you know, Jill Pace had done such amazing things at Pomona Pitzer, she, uh, relocated back to the Northeast. She had been an assistant at Tufts. So when the head job opened, um, she moved back and, and then suddenly, um, you know, three years into my, my short coaching career, the Pomona Pitzer job was open. And I, I went back and forth on, if it was the right fit and if it was too early and, you know, you never, you never, you're never really ready to take your first head coaching job and, um, and it opened and um, it was an interim position. And I thought, you know, one year, you know, why not? And then here I am five years in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's incredible. And so, you know, you've been a part of the fabric of the, the program for a while now, but as a player, as an assistant coach, and now as a head coach, like have you seen a big shift in terms of what you're trying to build in the program now from when you were there at Pomona Pitzer as a player?
1: Yeah, things have changed so much from when I was a student athlete until now. Um, And I feel honestly really fortunate to have witnessed so many different iterations, not only of Pomona Pitzer women's basketball, but also of Pomona Pitzer athletics. Mm. And I think that obviously, you know, hindsight's 2020, there is so much value to being a part of, you know, Winning programs and losing programs and everything in between, but I've really seen like every side of you know one win, twenty win championship seasons, almost championship seasons. Um, I feel really lucky to have had all of those experiences, and they deeply, deeply inform um, how I, we culture build. I there's no like culture that we've arrived at or achieved at. I think it changes every single day, um, and there's some kind of cornerstones that. We're here in my very first year as a first year on campus that are still here. And then there's things that have drastically changed in the 10 years that I've witnessed this program changing.
0: Right, right. What do you feel like there are the most rewarding aspects of being a coach?
1: Like I say this to our team all the time. Um, I think the most rewarding thing is just having something that you'll carry with you for your whole life. So there's mm-hmm. obviously the, I always kind of give them a hard time about practice is practice, but it's also like your practice of what your life is um, and your daily life. And that is something that will ideally inform how they are in their families and how they are in their careers. Um, and then to have this kind of sisterhood of women that they can come back to as alums. Um, I always like success people define success in all sorts of ways. I think for me, success is building a space and a program that people want to come back to. And there's so many components of that. But for me, the most rewarding thing is having this environment where our players like want to be nowhere else on campus, but in the gym all the time. And then having that environment be so special to them that it's something that they want to come back to. And it's something that they want to share their future career, life, family successes with. So to know that I already have like so many women who like, you know, coach Madison Kwan, who wants to be on my staff, who was my player for five years um, and other players and her, her teammates in her class who are already on to, you know, bigger, better, amazing things post-graduation, but are people who I know I'll be in contact with and have great relationships with for life. I think that's the really special part about coaching.
0: Right. Right. And what what do you feel like are, are your long-term aspirations for coaching? Like, Do you feel like this is a lifelong pursuit?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't think at least for now it's going to be something that I'll ever be able to give up. I I think for me it's just like I said about, you know, when I decided to play college basketball, it really has always been about being great where I am um and being grateful that I have a job that I love enough to not really have to plan for the next thing. Um just to know that I I love being here. I love the women we have on our team now. Um, And yeah, I could, I could do this forever if that's what.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. That's incredible. So yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, both your playing career and your coaching career up till now with us. Congratulations on all the success that you've had. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And I also want to ask you specifically about your experience as uh, an Asian American in the sport of basketball, both as a player, and as a coach as well. So first as a player, when you were growing up, um, I know you're from the Bay Area where there's a, there's a large Asian population there. So, but did you ever find that you had any like hurdles or challenges that you felt like you had to overcome as a player?
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting is like, I, to your point about, you know, the, the Bay Area having a heavy Asian population is like, I've been in so many different spaces as a basketball player, um, some of which were very I felt very like heavily represented by my peers, like racially, ethnically, culturally, um, and then other spaces where I didn't. Um, ironically, I the high school I went to uh, at the time I went to it did not have a, a heavy Asian American enrollment or Asian enrollment. Um, so even though I was in the Bay Area where I was seeing people who looked like me all the time and playing with Asian basketball players all the time, um, that wasn't necessarily the environment I had in my high school. Um, so it, w- it was something that that shifted, I think. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to recall exactly like I have, you know, had this college education and learned all these different dynamics and took Asian American studies classes when I was at school um, and have these kind of insights now that can inform me in hindsight. But in the moment, I think for me, it really just got back to like loving basketball. And I think basketball was such an easy way for me to um, connect with, with being mm-hmm. Asian and like to notice it and then to not notice it. And um And in the moment, I I don't think I had like the language or um, the experiences to really articulate like what being Asian in those spaces like meant, if that makes sense. Um, And now I feel like maybe I I do more, um, but basketball actually is just is one way I feel like I really explored that.
0: Right. Right. What about when you were playing collegiately? Did you find yourself playing against other Asian American players?
1: Yeah, definitely more so in college, um, okay. which was was interesting. I think um, the location of being in Southern California, even now as a head coach, allows me a really like cool opportunity to recruit like really talented Asian basketball players, um, and that was something that I had been exposed to up to college, but definitely um, was even just other like student athletes at Pomona Pitzer, football players, um, you know, baseball players. Um, I hadn't been around up to that point as many Asian athletes. And so it was cool to be around around that for sure.
0: Amazing, yeah. I noticed that you have a number of Asian American players on your team currently, which yeah. is really exciting to see. What about from the coaching side of things? Do you find yourself, coaching gets other Asian American coaches?
1: Yeah, um, so I'll start with, the coaching piece of things, I think that um, well, actually I don't think, I know based on the data. Um, there are not very many um Asian basketball coaches, at least in the NCAA. Um I think that there are more Asian basketball coaches getting into it. Um, and I have a ton of talented Asian peers that I know of. Um, one of whom actually is a coach in our conference. So Carol Jew at Chapman is um, I think. I remember in like, you know, a decade ago or something, she got an award for being like the only Chinese American, um, you know, NCAA head coach or something. And so uh, now we we kind of have like a bond. We joke. joke um, for some reason, our our game against Chapman will often line up like near Chinese New Year. Um, and so we'll wish each other a happy Chinese New Year pregame, which is fun. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely not super common. And, it, and kind of getting back to what I was talking about, you know, growing up, there are absolutely coaching spaces I'm in where I kind of take a a moment to notice that, you know, I look differently or I'm younger or whatever. You know, there's so many different deterministic factors that um, or non-deterministic factors that can make you feel Um, like you're, you're not represented in a room, um, but it's something I do notice. Um, but I also, again, feel like uniquely privileged to actually know other Asian coaches, uh, whether it's assistant coaches or head coaches, um, who I can talk to. And also just, um, peers, support staff who work in our department, um, other professors on campus. Um, I co-taught a, a course this uh, last spring semester with a, a politics professor, and uh, we're lucky also on campus to have um, not only an Asian American Resource Center, but also an Asian American Studies Department, which mm. isn't true for all college campuses. So I think I have a unique opportunity there to, like, when I collect our players' course schedules, I'll notice that they're taking. Um, some sort of racial politics course or an Asian American studies course. And so it's always kind of an easy gateway for conversation um, right.
0: if they're studying something related to that. Awesome. What does it mean to you to be one of the few Asian American college basketball coaches out there?
1: Yeah, it really gets me thinking just about like how I got here <laughs> um, and, you know, the fact that I like worked for and was coached by, uh, people who were very open-minded. I I think that it really makes me think about, um, what experience is necessary, um, to get into college athletics as a student and then as a coach. Um, and it inspires me to just be really open-minded, um, and encouraged to take risks, um, to be excited about other, young women um, who want to get into coaching. I think that I just were, I was around people who both as a student athlete and as a coach, like people who I felt like kind of took chances on me. Um, and so when I think about what it means to me, it means that like now I I have the opportunity as a head coach to um, build community and opportunities that I had that I don't think everyone has access to. Um, and so that's, that's really inspiring to me. I think that, you know, if you are in a position of power, like to make sure that you're climbing the ladder and like leaving it down for other people too. Um, and not just being ignorant to um, you know, the opportunities you were potentially afforded to get to where you were right. or where you are.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And to, to wrap things up here, just also want to ask you for your advice for the up and coming Asian American basketball players who are looking to play collegiately, perhaps even professionally as well wanted to ask you for what your advice would be to them, and then also for the Asian Americans who are looking to break into coaching in the sports world as well. What would your advice be to to, to those Asian Americans as well?
1: Yeah. Oh, there's such a big question because there's there's so many different um, dynamics at play here. I do think to your point about you know being aware of how you show up in a space, like it, it's it's relevant, right? And um, you know, you never really know how that will manifest, but you know, the idea of ignoring your identity is never something I would encourage. Um, but in addition to that, I also think that, um, at the end of the day, like just do the work, like love, love where you are, love basketball. Um, planning is important. Like I, my, your, my players will, would tell you, like, I love to plan. I love to practice plan. I love to game plan. I have a plan for everything. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't plan for everything. And, focusing on like your practice, like your daily practice of showing up to basketball, showing up um, to your academic or your career or your, wherever you're at. I always tell our players, like um, if you're ever going to do something like people on campus, people know that you're a woman's basketball player, like how you show up in that space is reflective of our program. Mm. Um, so I think the advice I'd have both to players and coaches is to be great where you are, um, Engage in projects and spaces that are meaningful to you and that you feel supported and that you feel seen. Um, there are, I'd like to think, spaces out there that exist. Um, and so when you do find those projects that you're passionate about, regardless of what other people are saying, like just engage, lean into those, work hard, um, do them genuinely work without guarantees, as I always, you know, say to our team, um, because I do think eventually if you really apply your full self to something, eventually it will pay off in, in some way, um, and community and, um, you know, just, just family and relationships are really important to that. And then when you're in those spaces and that work is paying off and you do have the opportunity to then facilitate those spaces for other people, whether that's your players as a coach, um, or your teammates, if you're a captain, um, facilitate those spaces with like all the things that got you there in mind. Right. Um, and acknowledge that having humility is good. Um, you know, I think doing the work is important, but at the same time, like no one does the work and also isn't afforded opportunities with that work. Um, be open-minded about talent and experience and, um, you know, take, take chances on people. Um, who you think uh, those chances will benefit. Um, It's, it's um, I wish it was like a math equation where you could be like A plus B equals C, Um, but it's really not. You just have to take each moment and balance doing the work uh, with also, you know, acknowledging how you show up in a space and how you can facilitate spaces for other people. Um, There's so many different pieces to the puzzle and um, just, yeah, be, be a critical thinker, like figure out what those pieces are and um, figure out how to make that puzzle something that other people want to piece themselves into. Um, because at the end of the day, I think having a community and a team, I think that's the most special part about working in, in basketball and athletics and playing too.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that amazing advice. And thank you for taking the time to join the show today and to share your story Congratulations to all the successes that you've had so far in your basketball career, both as a player and as a coach. Thank you for being an inspiration. Thank you for being on the show, Ana.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great.
0: Awesome. And that wraps up this episode of the Asian American Athlete. To help support this podcast, please ring review the show and subscribe to this podcast so that you know when the next episode is ready. See you all in the next episode.